right, well, good morning, Trace. How are we doing this morning? How's everybody doing? Everybody feeling good? Good, good, good. Hey, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here and incredibly grateful to have each and every one of you with us this morning, if you're in this room or you're watching online. Uh, hey, I want a quick shout out that if you're a little boy that my daughter knows, I'm going to leave the names anonymous, but my fifth grade daughter has been talking to a young man at her school who's been tuning in and watching my sermons. I'm in fifth grade. I wouldn't watch my sermons, but he's been watching our sermons. And so can we give it up for everybody that's tuning in today? That's awesome. Well, our hope is that you joined in with the rest of the churches in this city yesterday, and uh, we've been calling this initiative for us, it's iHeart719, but we partnered with this organization called Cause I Love You, COS I Love You, and thousands, literally thousands of volunteers served across our city yesterday, and if you didn't uh, or weren't able to jump in and be a part of that particular service project, remember that we don't want to just be a church in this city, we want to be a church for this city, and we believe we all have influence that we can leverage, and yes, we could leverage it for our own personal benefit if we want to, but we've decided that we're going to leverage our influence for the sake of building God's kingdom and elevating the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so our hope is that next time uh, we have one of these projects that, that comes up, you grab your shirt that we've been giving out to everybody and jump in and serve with us. Well, today we're concluding in this series. We've been in over the last four weeks. We're concluding this series called Killing What's Killing Me. And guys, our hope behind this series was to tackle some subjects that we know have real potential to cause damage in our lives. And so we looked at subjects like screens and our interaction with screens and specifically our phones and how that can, if we, if we let it get out of control, it can cause damage in our lives. And then we talked about the chatterbox in our mind and that little voice that we, again, it's not audible necessarily, but that little voice that kind of works its way through our thoughts, that's feeding us false narratives about who we are or who others are or who others, who we think others think we are, and we just determined that we're going to crash the chatterbox. And then last week, Josiah shared a message with us on comparison and how we can use comparison, uh, I'm sorry, how we can use contentment as a weapon against comparison. And many of you have shared uh, your appreciation for this series and that you feel like God has worked in and through it in a powerful way in your life. And you need to know this, like everything that I preach from this stage, I take incredibly seriously myself. And this is something that I hold uh, my team accountable to and of course, when I hold them accountable, I mean, I do this in a very gracious way. And so. Christmas Eve services. Here's the deal. We got to get a camel. I think the kids are going to love it. We'll get the camel up on stage and then we're going to do more lights. <laughs> Just stay with me. I'm going to think about more instruments, maybe even a cowbell. Maybe. Well, I don't know what you're thinking about that, but dude, haven't you been listening to my sermons? You got to look up. You got to get off the screens. Hey, I want to jump right in because uh, uh, you know I've been talking about this a lot and this whole idea of influence. We all have influence, right? We all have influence. So uh, what I'm curious about, is this something that you feel like you can do in each of your ministry areas? Yeah, you got it, man. Oh, yeah, definitely can do this. So are you asking me or are you telling me? I'm just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. 
Jeez, I don't know if that's something I can do. I mean, I'm already flat out. Pure busy. I mean, I'm still getting used to the country. The lads think I came out of the last box of cornflakes and everything. Jeez, I don't know if that's something now that I can take with Dude, haven't you been listening? Crash the chatterbox. Man, that is a pastor right there. Wow, like, how's he get those guns? If only I could be a pastor like Craig Rochelle. Man, look at those forearms. Like, how does he, what does he even do to get those forearms? Maybe mine are kind of like that. Let me see. No, not even close. Golly, man, if only. Weren't you listening to what I was saying? You need to practice what I preach. Come on, Aaron, you're better than this. was my MacBook. Deep spiritual things happen here throughout the week. <laughs> You're tithing dollars at work right there, guys. I hope you feel encouraged. Hey, uh, as I mentioned today, we're concluding this series uh, called Crash the Chatterbox, and we're going to be talking about something that's a very big topic in uh, there's no way that we're going to be able to handle this subject uh, from an exhaustive perspective, but nonetheless, we're going to talk about something that if you ask me, probably plagues the life of every single person in here, at least at some point in time has plagued the life of every single person in here. And so today we're going to be looking at the subject of worry. And today I'm going to title this sermon, I don't typically do this, but I believe based on the fact that I'm going to repeat what I'm about to tell you so many times, this would be a takeaway that I would want to make sure that you have as you walk out of the doors of Trace Church today. Today the title of this sermon is going to be The Path to Peace. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 today, and so if you have your Bibles with you, feel free to open them up or turn them on and you can go ahead and find your way over to there. But let me begin with a couple of rhetorical questions. Why do you worry? Why do you worry? And what do you worry about? I mean, what is that one thing that keeps you up at night? Maybe it wakes you up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it just causes your mind to start spinning and spinning, because that's what worry does. It just causes our mind to spin and spin and spin. But maybe for you, it's not like a one thing. It's Maybe for you, it's not something that you revisit and you come back to, and it's kind of just this one thing that you have a tendency to worry about. Maybe for you, it's more event-driven. I think that's the case for many of us. Maybe for you, it's different things that happen in our life. When life happens, because life happens, and when life happens to us, we have a tendency to get caught up on something, and it causes angst and anxiety and worry in our life. Let me tell you just a few things I've heard over the last several weeks here at Trace. I'm getting evicted. I have to move because of my health. I lost my job. She wants a divorce. I made a big mistake, and I let a lot of people down. I think I'm drinking too much. Is the contract going to go through? I'm gay and I don't know how to tell them. I have to write a sermon on worry and I don't have enough time to get to it. I'm going to keep these anonymous, of course. <laughs> or maybe it's a lot more simple where it's like maybe there's a day it's like, oh man, I just really want a Chick-fil-A sandwich, but it's Sunday, right? <laughs> anxiety, anxiety. We all have it. And when it comes to these things, like these things would be obvious. These are things we could point to and say, yes, of course those things are going to elicit some anxiety in our life. But anxiety can also be incredibly complicated. And at times when it shows up in our lives, it doesn't make any sense at all, which is why I think we need to take a holistic 
approach when it comes to the anxiety in our life because sometimes like we just need some people around us. Sometimes we need people around us like a foundation of community and friendship that's around us that kind of helps us to steady ourselves when things start to feel a little bit shaky and we get caught up in the worry in our life. Sometimes we need professionals. Some of you, this may go a lot deeper and this is why we need to take a holistic approach. For some of you, you may have had some events happen in your life that we're not gonna be able to tackle today. But nonetheless, you need to seek out some professional guidance and counsel in your life and that would be healthy. Sometimes we need some pills, right? Sometimes we need some pills. We're not going to be that church, and I'm not going to be that person that says, oh, you don't have enough faith if you end up having to take medicine. But I need to let you know that even though I believe this kind of starts to, to go, take us down a path of a holistic approach to anxiety and worry in our life, this is not something that I'm going to deal with today because I'm a pastor. And because I'm a pastor, what I'm going to do is speak to you from a perspective from God's word. And I want to give you some insights into something that Paul specifically says in Philippians chapter 4 that I believe that will lead us down a pathway, a path to peace. Because when we're honest, I mean, when we're honest and when we think about this and we look at this, isn't that, aren't those two subjects in contrast to one another? Aren't these polar opposites? You've got anxiety and worry in one hand, you've got peace in the other. And so our hope is that today we can begin a path to peace. But let me be clear about something up front. This is not an antidote sermon. And to preach an antidote type of sermon on the subject of anxiety and worry would be very arrogant of me because there's no antidote. There's no quick fix. There's no quick, easy, like just take this pill and things will be better in the morning. It's a process. It's a process. Look to the person beside you and say, it's a process. It's a process. In other words, if we want to kill the unnecessary worry in our lives, we can't approach it with this antidote mentality. Hey, if I'll just do this, pastor, just give me like the answer. Give me the, give me the, you know, the key phrase or the key passage and it'll all be better in the morning. It doesn't work like that. It's a process. But I truly believe that what I share with you today from Philippians and what Paul specifically says will be a process that I believe that if you will implement this into your life, it might be the best process that I've ever landed on myself that will lead us towards a path of peace. So let me set up the passage that we're going to be in today. If you were to ask 100 people that do what I do, 100 pastors and preachers that do what I do, hey, like, what's your go-to verse? Like, what's your go-to verse when it comes to the subject of anxiety and worry? They would point you to the verse that we're going to look at today. Outside of John 3.16, this might be the passage that people have memorized more than any other passage in the Bible. When it comes to my own personal life, when I've found myself lying in bed at night, worrying and being anxious about something, this is the passage, this is the verse that I'll repeat over and over and over again as I'm trying to deal with the own, my own anxiety in my own life. But one of the things that I don't think we've done with this passage is looked at it as a process. Because I think the way the Apostle Paul communicates it is that when we're trying to lead our lives from a place of anxiousness and worry to a place of peace, it's a process. And so let me do this. Let me read to you this entire passage, and then what I'll do for you is begin to break it down, uh, and we'll begin to look how this process can be implemented into our lives. Here's what Paul says, Philippians chapter 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Maybe somebody just needs to hear that today. The Lord 
is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know what worry is? Worry is a sign that something is wrong. The way that I would encourage you to think about it is your dashboard on your car, right? When the little light, when that little light illuminates on the dashboard in your car, right, we probably get a little bit of anxiety over that when that happens, don't we? And that little light illuminates, and all of a sudden we realize something is wrong. And so we would be wise to take our vehicle back to the manufacturer who made it because they're going to be the ones who know how to fix it. This is how worry works because worry is a warning that something's wrong. And you might be thinking, and your immediate question may be, well, Aaron, what do you mean something is wrong? Stay with me, because I think this is incredibly important, what I'm about to tell you. In verse 6, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Let's just get real, okay? Do not be anxious about anything. Our first response to that may be, really, Paul? Really? Like, don't be anxious about anything. School shooting after school shooting. Suicide after suicide, pain and suffering all around. Friends and family members being deployed to war zones. Not to mention that the Broncos are 0-4. Really, Paul? Be anxious for nothing. But I think more than anything, what Paul is trying to remind us of is that worry, listen to me, this is what we miss sometimes. Worry was never a part of God's will. Worry was never a part of God's will. This is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he says, do not worry about everyday life. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says, cast all your anxiety, all of it. Cast it all on him, on God, because he cares for you. I want to do something for you really quick. Side note really quick. When you break the Greek down in this verse, I think it becomes a lot more personal. When you break the Greek down and you phrase this differently, it sounds more like this. Give God your worry. Give it to him because it matters to him about you. Somebody needs to write that down today. Give it all to him. Give it all to him because it matters to him about you. Friends, it was never in God's plan for you to worry. So this is why when we do worry, it should be a warning. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. It's not God's will for me to worry. So when I begin to worry, it's like a signal going off in my life that something's wrong, which should cause me to go back to my maker because he's going to be the only one that knows how to fix it. I want to take a quick time out really quick because I think this is important. And I think even if this is just for one person, I think it's worth me taking kind of a time out really quick. I want to apologize to Anyone in here who has ever been on the other end of someone like me, hopefully it wasn't me, uh, but someone like me, who when you exposed something in church and you exposed some anxiety, some worry, maybe some depression, some kind of mental illness, that you were met with an antidote. Well, you just need to try harder. You need to, you need to read your Bible more. You need to go to church more. You need to be more faithful. There's obviously a sin in your life that's keeping God from answering your prayer, and you've been given this kind of antidote approach and that oftentimes leaves you walking away feeling like something's wrong with you this is why this is not going to be an antidote sermon if you could just pray it away 
Like if that was an answer, if, that, if this was like the right answer, if we could just pray it away, then I guess we could also assume that pastors, people like me who are professional at praying, being facetious, that we shouldn't struggle with anxiety at all, right? And the longer that I do this, that means I should be getting holier and holier and no longer struggling with things like what you common folk struggle with. But in all reality, I think this picture probably sums it up a little bit better. It just let it suck in. It just, it's coming a little longer for some of you. Because this is what happens to people. A lot of times in my position, I mean, it's funny. It's kind of speaking lightheartedly about something that is real. And it's because we struggle. And like, we struggle. This is not an easy position. It's not an easy job at times. And we struggle with the same things you do. That's why I make the statement, most of us are like the rest of us all the time. You don't just pray it away. And so if that's ever been advice that's been given to you, I want to apologize this morning because there's not just, it's not just one point. It's not just a quick fix. It's not an easy answer. I can't give you one point to walk away with this morning to fix all the anxiety in your life. It's a what? It's a, it's a process. And the process begins when the worry light goes off in our life, life. That's an indicator that something is wrong because God never intended for worry to be a part of his will, which means that's not something he wants for our life. So worry, anxiety, it takes root. It starts to surface in our life. It's a warning light. It's shooting off and it reminds us to go back to our maker and begin a path to peace. And the path to peace does begin with prayer. And you may be saying, well, hold on, hypocrite. You just told me prayer's not the answer. It's not the quick fix. It's not, but it's a part of the what? It's a part of the process. Here's what Paul says in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, that's where we'll stop. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. You know what prayer is in its simplest form? Prayer is really nothing more than acknowledging God. God, I'm praying to you because I'm acknowledging you. I I know you're there. And it's letting your needs be known. In its simplest form, prayer is acknowledging God and letting your needs be known. But here's something that I also know. I've done this long enough now to know if I come to you and say, hey, the path to peace, it begins with prayer. And it's not an antidote. This is just a part of the process. But even some of you really, you know, are if you're honest with yourselves this morning, if you're honest with me, you would still say, but ah, that's not as easy for me as it is for other people. Like, I, like, what do I pray and what do I say and how does this work? And maybe you've been around some of those other people that are just incredible at prayer, right? And it kind of intimidates you. It's like they're prayer ninjas. And when you hear them pray, it's like you really do expect mountains to be moving. I mean, they're praying and they're using scripture and big words. And when they talk about the Holy Spirit, like doves fly out of their jackets and... We're like I, like, I can't do that. Like that's, and here's what I need to make sure you know. God's not impressed. God's, God's not up there looking down saying, whoa, like that was incredible. Your prayer sucked, but that, did you see the, I didn't see the doves coming. I didn't see them coming. It was a good one. It was good. No anxiety for you. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. But sometimes when we're around, you know, that, and it's not to say that those prayers aren't awesome and those people aren't awesome. I'm not diminishing that. But one, one of the things we have a tendency to do is start to dismiss our ability. Like when we see other people do it, what we think is better, there's really no better way to pray. We start to, well, maybe mine won't work. Maybe the anxiety is not being taken out of my life because I'm not saying it right. Here's what I know about God. 
He just wants you to talk with him. Acknowledge him and let your needs be known. And he doesn't care if you mumble. (laughs) He doesn't care if you make a mistake. He just wants you to speak to him. And this is an incredible part of the process and the path to peace. Because here's why. If you don't acknowledge God and you don't consult God, when that warning light of worry goes off in your life, you will consult something or someone. And oftentimes, when it's out of response to worry and anxiety, you know what we consult? You know who we consult? Fear. And so when it comes to that worry signal going off in our life, something's wrong because worry is not a part of God's will. And so in that moment, we will consult our fear, which will just lead into that vicious cycle of worry, and worry begets worry that begets worry that begets worry. Or we will step into the process that puts us on a path to peace, and instead of consulting fear, we will consult with our Father. So the path to peace, it begins with prayer. And the second part to that is praise. Let me finish the verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with praise, with acknowledging who God is and thanking him for who he is, present your requests to God. But I get this. Like some of us may, when we hear this, I get it, Aaron. You know, praise God even when things are bad. And we start to listen to Things that people like me say kind of through that filter where it's like, of course that's the spiritual thing to do. Of course that's the right thing to do. But listen to me, no, that's the, the wise thing to do. And it may not be easy. And I promise you, I can't tell you that I've learned how to do this. Like if you go back and look at the pa- passage, Paul says, in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with praise, another way to say that is with worship, But one of the things I've learned about being able and learning how to praise God in every situation, regardless if he shows up in my life the way that I would hope that he would, regardless if he changes my situation and takes away whatever it is that I want him to take away. It could be anxiety, it could be stress, it could be uh, something difficult happening in my life. Regardless if he changes my situation, I'm trying to learn how to praise God in every situation. I'm learning how to worship God, because here's what I've learned about worship. Worship has a tendency to reverse the worry in our life. Because we're going to consult someone. When we consult our fear, it feeds the cycle of worry. When we consult our Father with prayer, acknowledging who he is, and letting your needs be known, and then learning how to worship in all circumstances, it will begin to reverse the worry in our lives. That's not the antidote. It's just a part of the what? It's a part of the process. Let me give you a real-life example of how this kind of snuck up in my life. Uh, over the last decade or more. When I was 16 years old, uh, I had a really tragic thing happen to me, and uh, a really close family member was brutally murdered, and it was a random act of violence. And because that happened, I went out, and the way that I kind of medicated was to drink a whole lot, and then I got behind the wheel of a car, and at the age of 16, I got my first DUI, and then I had to go to jail and lost my license until I was 18. And this, this began... Um, kind of a cycle of anxiety for me, and I ended up going to counseling, had some depression, and something triggered, like something switched in my mind. It's the only way I know how to explain it. Some of you probably get this in different ways. Something switched in my mind, and my brain just started to operate differently because of, you know, that, that tragic event, and a lot of those events, and that season of depression. And I started to get to where I was struggling with sleep, and I would lay down at night, and my mind wouldn't turn off. 
And it was, it was just on, and it would not turn off. And for 14 years, I struggled with insomnia. 14 years, I struggled with insomnia. But later into my 20s, as my faith is growing and I'm becoming you know, more available for God, and I want to be used by God, and I want to leverage my influence for him and not just for the sake of my own benefit, as I'm growing in my faith, I started to lean on God in new ways where I'm like, God, you can take this away. God, I want you to take this away. Like, I'm serving you, and because I'm serving you now, I want you to, like, of course you want to take this from me. You want to change my situation. And night after night and day after day, I would pray, and I would ask God, take it away. I went and had the elders of the church pray over me and anoint, anoint me with oil, and I drank pig's blood. And no, I that last part's not true. I just threw that in there. And so, but I did all of those things except the pig's blood part. I did all of those things and nothing changed. God, why aren't you changing my situation? And then with a few more years, this is not a small time frame, a few more years and a few more years. And I couldn't even tell you like there was something that switched or I heard something or read a book or heard a sermon. I don't even remember what it was. But I finally got to a point in my life, specifically over this, that was causing me so much anxiety. And you got to know, like, if you struggle with insomnia, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, in the middle of the day, I would be worrying about night. In the middle of the day, I'm like, am I going to sleep tonight? Am I going to sleep tonight? And then I lay down, am I going to sleep? No, I'm not going to sleep tonight, which means tomorrow's going to suck because I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. And this anxiety beget anxiety. And I was so anxious about sleep. And I it got bad, I would have to go and like, get tranquilizers. And then, not, they didn't like shoot me with a tranquilizer. Is this, but. And it got to a point, and I, again, I can't tell you exactly why. I just, I finally, just, this has just happened. I, I wish I had more details to give you. But I got to a place in my life where I'm like, I'm done struggling. God, I surrender. And I would lay down at night. God, even if you don't change my situation, you are good. God, even if I don't sleep tonight, you're bigger than that. And I can still have a great day tomorrow because you're bigger than that. God, even if I don't sleep for a few days, you have the type of rest that is divine. And you can allow me to feel rested even if my eyes don't shut tonight. And I begin, I didn't know I was doing this, I begin to worship God and praise God in the midst of my worry. And that worship started to reverse the worry, and it started leading me down a path to peace that ultimately healed me from anxiety. I'm sorry, healed me from insomnia, not anxiety. And I still struggle with sleep today. I'm not going to tell you I don't, but night after night of not sleeping, I haven't experienced that for probably eight to ten years. And so I don't think it's going to be a quick fix. Again, if I were to kind of break this down over the time period of my life, it was probably eight to 10 years. Like, I hope you get that quicker than I did. Eight to 10 years before I got to a place in my life where I began to praise God even when he wasn't showing me his power. It might not be easy at first. I get it. It might not be easy at first, but if you will learn how to worship God in every situation, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed with worry, I believe it can become your greatest weapon. I really do. So our path to peace begins with prayer. And then it comes to praise. And then we begin to change our perspective. Everybody say it's a process. It's a process. Here's what I know about life. I'm not that old. 
but I'm old enough to know this about life. Here's what, in any season of our lives, I believe we have two parallel paths that are going. And in these parallel paths, what happens is we have, over here we have like want, and over here we have plenty. Over here we have expectations that aren't being met, and over here we have expectations that are being met, and maybe expectations that we're exceeding. Over, <clears throat> over here we have things that aren't going well, and over here we have things that are going well. You know what happens when we consult our fear instead of our father? It gives us a perspective. It gives us a lens that just focuses on this. It just focuses on everything that is wrong. That's what happens when we consult our fear instead of our father. And this becomes a vicious cycle in our minds. And to be honest with you, it is incredibly hard to break. This is why I encourage people and I encourage myself that are in the midst of a hard season, a stressful season, when things aren't going well and anxiety maybe is at a higher level than it normally is, don't look too far. Like, don't take that lens. Don't take that perspective during that hard season of time and look too far into the future because if you do, everything will seem harder. Everything will seem more dire. And your mind will begin to spin out scenarios that are ridiculous. Sounds something like this. Oh, man, I didn't floss this week. I'm probably going to get gum disease that will lead to an infection that will likely at some point make its way to my liver. And then, and then I'm going to need a liver transplant, which is going to lead to hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical bills, which will keep me from being able to send my kids to college, which means they won't be able to get high-paying jobs, which means they're not going to be able to afford to live in Colorado Springs, which means they're going to have to move to Pueblo. <laughs> you started with missing a day of flossing, and it ends with your kids panhandling in Pueblo. <laughs> I love everybody from Pueblo. I'll pick on Pueblo sometimes. But isn't that, what, isn't that what anxiety does? It spins out these crazy, ridiculous scenarios. This is why Paul says just the next verse after the verse that we're reading this morning in Philippians 4.8, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Because if you don't, if you, especially if you don't consult your father, if you consult fear instead, you're only going to focus on what's wrong in your life and not also what's right. Because at any given point in our life, yes, there are some things that aren't going as well as you would hope, but I promise you there are things that are also going better than you probably would have hoped. There are things that are good in your life. And you have to remind yourself that not everything is bad. And with prayer, as we begin this process to peace, as we begin this path to peace, with prayer... And with praise, and we begin to change our perspective, we will start to move from this anxiousness and worry that plagues our souls. And we will move on a process, not an antidote. We will move on a process to peace. I'm going to share a statement with you that I felt like God gave me. It's for me, but you can take it if you want. He gave it to me over the summer during my study leave. And in times where I get very anxious about different things that are happening at our church. And I feel like he gave me this. It's incredibly simple. It's probably so simple. You're like, that's it? Yeah, this is it. But it's become healing for me. And it's simply this statement right here. If I worry about those things, I can't focus on the right things. And so when anxiety begins to take over my life and I begin to worry about things that are completely out of my control, and isn't that usually where anxiety lives? in areas that we just don't have any control over anyway. And so I've learned to come back to this statement over and over again. If I worry about those things, I can't focus on the right things. 
Because there are things that God wants me to focus on. But if I worry about these things and I start grabbing onto these thoughts that I have no control over, then I can't focus on the right things. And I'm not that old, but I've lived enough life to now understand that there's a reason why people that are older in life typically don't struggle as much with anxiety. I don't want to make an overgeneralization there because I know people that are seasoned in life. It's the most polite way I can say old. Um, (laughs) People seasoned in life uh, don't typically struggle with anxiety as much as people that are younger, right? And it's because they've done it long enough and they've experienced it long enough and they've found themselves catching on to things they worry about. And this is what we do when we worry. We grab something, we just spin around. It's like, I'm just, we just spin around, we spin around, we grab it, and it's like, we just don't let it go, and I'm spinning around, spinning around, and then finally we stop, and we realize we're just right back where we thought we were, but now we're a little bit discombobulated, and we can't see as clearly as we could before. And I think a lot of people have experienced that once they've experienced, you know, a certain amount of life. And I bet you're like me. I bet you're like me when I say, I don't want my peace to be held by hostage to be held hostage by things that I can't control. I don't want my peace to be held hostage by things that I cannot control. And so I can hold on to them or I can surrender. So let's circle back around and I'm gonna land this plane. It's a process. Everybody say it's a process. And worry, remember what what is worry? Worry is a what? It's a warning. When you worry in your life and anxiety surfaces in your life, that's a warning on your dashboard. It's a warning that something is wrong because it was never part of God's will for you to worry. It's something is wrong. And so at that point, you're going to consult someone. And I'm encouraging you this morning to consult your father instead of consulting fear. Because when we go back and we consult our father, we begin the process. We begin the path to peace. And that path begins with prayer. God, I'm just acknowledging in this moment, I've got anxiety that's brewing in me right now. I'm going to acknowledge who you are and I'm going to let my needs be known. I don't need to say anything magical in this prayer. I don't need to impress you. I just need to let you know, God, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. And I don't want to consult my fear. I'm going to consult my father. And so we begin with prayer. And then we follow that up with praise, with worship, because worship has a way of reversing the worry in our life. And so, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you for who you are, regardless if you change my circumstances. And then we follow that up as we continue this process. We follow that up with a perspective that says, hey, I know that I'm worrying right now. And because I'm worrying right now and I'm anxious right now, that worry, and especially if I'm consulting my fear, it's going to have me focus on everything that is wrong And it's going to help me, it's going to keep me, I should say, from seeing all that is also right. It's a process. It's a process. Worry is the warning light that sends you into the process that begins with prayer, followed up with praise and a hope that you'll change your perspective. And I believe that process, and it's not like, hey, one time and you've got it fixed. No, it's a process, which means you're going to have to come back to it over and over and over again. And I promise you, I believe this to the bottom of my toes. If you will implement this, it may be the best tool that you've ever used against the worry and anxiety in your life. Let me read the passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Cast your anxiety on him because it matters to him about you. Do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because it wasn't a part of God's will for you to have worry in your life. So don't be anxious about anything. Another translation says, be anxious for nothing, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with praise, with worship, 
even when it's hard, present your request to God. And the peace of God, my favorite, maybe one of my favorite, if not my favorite verses in the entire Bible, and the peace of God, the path to peace, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, meaning it's not even going to make sense, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus against the worry that has a tendency to plague us. Let me pray for us. Father, oh, I really want this to be a sermon that people take notes on and follow through on and put this process into motion in their life because, God, I want them to find victory over the anxiety and worry in their life. And this is likely going to be something that we deal with, at least to some extent, for the entirety of our life. And so, God, I pray that everyone in here will be reminded of this process, to be reminded of to consult you, our Father, instead of fear when the warning light of worry goes off in our life and that we will begin this path to peace that begins with prayer, followed up with praise and changing our perspective. And so God, I pray that you would, man, just allow this to be ingrained in the hearts and minds of people in this room. And Father, I pray again that we will find victory over this together. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said.